May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray that this day God's grace, his mercy, and his peace will fill your life and your heart in ways that go beyond your greatest expectation. And I respectfully and lovingly remind you that it is by God's grace that we receive those things we do not deserve. God's love and forgiveness, his promise and assurance of eternal life with him someday in heaven by his grace. It's in God's mercy that we do not receive those things we do deserve. God's wrath and displeasure, his punishment both while we're here on earth and also eternally. And it is in receiving God's grace and mercy that these words take on even more powerful meaning. The peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. The simple way children look at life and loved ones is endearing. A six-year-old was asked where his grandma lived. He said, she lives at the airport. And when we want her, we just go get her. Then when we're done with her, we take her back to the airport. Sometimes I sense we treat God that way. When we want or need him, we take him off the shelf, dust him off a bit, offer fervent prayers and petitions to him, and tell him how we want things to turn out. And when the crisis du jour is ended, whether or not to our satisfaction, we put him back on the shelf to await the arrival of another crisis. I doubt that God is pleased when we use him in our convenience simply for our own purpose. There are many things that we don't know about God. We do know his attributes, and yet that knowledge begs other questions. Like, I can't figure out how anybody or anything can have no beginning and no end the eternal nature of God. It's difficult to comprehend and understand why in God's omniscience and omnipotence he allows or even causes certain things to happen, especially things that cause pain and death, like tornadoes and hurricanes and earthquakes. I've always wondered where God's heaven is and what it really will be like to be there eternally. Lots of these questions are answered, at least in part, in Holy Scripture. But I believe Paul's words and answer, at least for the time being, is sufficient. Now, we see through a glass dimly. Now, we know in part, someday we will understand fully, even as we have been fully understood. In the meantime, we discover God as he comes to us in word and sacrament. And we sense his presence, do we not? And see his activity also in the everyday events of our lives. The text in Isaiah chapter 6 provides an awesome description of God. Isaiah saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. 
His train filled the temple. Yeah, we understand that literally. That means everything in the temple was covered with God's robes and his train. Above him stood the seraphim, defined by many different people in different ways, but certainly special angels of the highest order. Each had six wings. I love this description. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. These seraphim called to one another and praised to God across the temple. The foundations shook. Earthquake? Sounds like it to me. And the house was filled with smoke. Isaiah confessed his sins powerfully and unequivocally. Woe is me. I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I believe all of us would probably come up with an equally powerful and unequivocal confession were we to see that same sight. And then one of those seraphim flew to Isaiah with a burning coal from the altar. He touched Isaiah's mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin forgiven. And then the next thing we read, Isaiah heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Isaiah, constrained by the awesome vision of God himself, said, Here am I. Send me. After reading this text, I can't help but wonder what life would be like after an encounter with one of those special angels and a vision like that of God himself. What caused the obvious and obviously tremendous change in Isaiah's life was that he heard from the seraphim who touched his lips with coal, a burning coal taken from the altar. Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away your sin atoned for. Are those sweet and precious words, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, or what? That's all it took. Isaiah heard the voice of the Lord. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And immediately he responded, I'm here, here I am, send me. Well, in my entire life, I've never had quite that experience. But I do pray every time I enter a pulpit, these words, dear God, touch my lips with coal from your altar that my spirit might be clean and my heart might be right. God has taken away our sin through the blood of Jesus Christ, his son on the cross. He comes into our lives by water and word, in bread and wine with his body and blood, preparing, motivating, enabling us to say, here am I, send me. So into God's world we go, 
not always knowing where we're going or how best to get there, but always trusting our gracious God to lead, guide, direct, and protect. Sometimes the direction is more clear than at other times. At all times, we know God gives and provides gifts and talents, and we pray that he will provide common sense and godly decisions for all of us in our respective roles and callings in life. We respond to God's cleansing of our lives by the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, our Lord, with faith, hope, and trust as his ambassadors in the world. You know that passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not counting mankind's sins against them. And he has made us ambassadors of reconciliation as though God were making his appeal to the world through us. Be reconciled to God. So as God's ambassadors, we make that appeal to a world beset by acceptance of false gods and tolerance of ungodly living amid very real threats to the blessings our world, especially our country, has received. Life, liberty, and freedoms of all kinds. I have my own stories of responding to God's calling sometimes faithfully and willingly, here I am, send me, and other times reluctantly and kind of half-heartedly. And I suspect so do you. Our stories reflect the journey of life that God has called us to live in a variety of vocational callings. No matter what God has called and equipped us to do, it's important to remember that we are his. And I believe it's important to remember also the three most important days of your life. The day you were born, the day you were baptized, and the day you figured out why you were born and baptized. That's a here am I, send me response. With guilt taken away and sin atoned for by the blood of Christ, we join Isaiah in hearing God's question, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And with Isaiah, we respond by saying, Here am I, send me. The hymnist has it right and says it well. I, the Lord of sea and sky, I have heard my people cry. All who dwell in dark and sin, my hand will save. I who made the stars of night, I will make their darkness bright. Who will bear my light to them? Whom shall I send? I, the Lord of snow and rain, I have borne my people's pain. I have wept for love of them. They turn away. I will break their hearts of stone, give them hearts for love alone. I will speak my words to them, whom shall I send? I, the Lord of wind and flame, I will send the poor and lame. I will set a feast for them, my hand will save. Finest bread I will provide, till their hearts be satisfied. I will give my life to them. Whom shall I send? 
in our response. Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. I will hold your people in my heart. May the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.